Hey guys, Riley here. Episode 23 is upon us and it is a good one. We've got Dan and April of Fedra. We've got Dan and April of Daft's Records. We've got Dan and April of Hooded Fang. They are uh, Canadian music icons, I would say. They probably wouldn't because they're like nice, modest people. Um, and yeah, it's a it's a great interview. We, we get into, uh, I picked their brain a while about what it's like being sort of a uh, professionally creative, uh, especially when what you do is something that, uh, you know, it takes a, it takes a little bit of intimacy to, and then you have to put it out there and what it's like touring and sort of experiencing a lot of life and a little bit of time. Um, and they were, they came in and sat down probably about an hour before they were up on, uh, they were, they were playing Ottawa explosion weekend. And, uh, so that was, they were a little rushed at the end, which you might be able to hear, but, um, a really great interview all around, really great, uh, people, Excited to see. I hope they just keep putting out more music and, and everything that they uh, call themselves. Uh, it, it, it's a, it's really cool. You're gonna hear uh, Zastrowski uh, in a second, and then you're gonna hear the interview, and then you're gonna hear another great song from them at the end. And so I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. Uh, yeah, episode twenty-three, Fedra.
I discovered you the other day uh, when you put out your new music video for Zast. What's the? You got it, Zastrozzi. <laughs> I did not have that one, uh, <laughs> Zastrozzi, uh, and it was just I I loved it because it was one of these things. We're now living in this age where everybody sort of not everybody the best the best artists are defined genres and mixing them in ways that you didn't expect even five years ago I would say and that was like you don't hear like interesting vocals over like drum and bass samples or anything like that and you guys for that song you guys sort of you you put it in there and then you sort of bring it back to like a really nice almost like a Kanye West old school <laughs> soul sample <sighs> oh, it, it was just uh, what what's that thing I read about it the other day where like listening to music gives you goosebumps it's like some sort of it's like it's like a form of an orgasm for your skin or something like that <laughs> anyways that song gave me that and then I threw you guys a shout out on Twitter and you guys responded and that's why you're trapped here today but thank you <laughs> <laughs> it was Hell for it <laughs> oh wow thanks um, Bradley I think that's the biggest compliment we've ever received it's probably the longest we're uh, always striving for uh you know inducing orgasm mm-hmm, absolutely <laughs> in whatever yeah, form possible make a whole church have orgasm <laughs> <laughs> even better and so uh, can we just uh, dive right in and we'll, we'll expand outwards from here but what was it like how did that song germinate like what was the beginning of that song i think we're always just making music that we find exciting and that we're into I mean, I guess everybody does. So that sounds ridiculous for me to say. I mean, I think most of the songs that we uh, write together starts off with some kind of beat. And then, you know, upon listening to it, we add changes that we think are interesting and other sounds that we think, you know, will fit. And we also find interesting, like that window sample. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty sample. Mm -hmm. Don't tell Windows. (laughs) Don't tell Microsoft. Uh, we're all Mac around here, so that should be... Yeah, I don't think yeah. Bill's listening to us. Um, um, but also, the bass line is funny because it's just like a semitone. It just goes... And I just think it's so awesome and hilarious how that some of the, like, the most badass bass lines are just those two notes. It's always good to remember that not everything needs to be overcomplicated, you know? To have a really sick-sounding song or beat. Yeah, the whole the whole song I would say is quite simple, just made of simple parts coming together. Well, that's one thing that I sort of noticed. Uh, this, in contrast to your last full LP, Golden Age, mm-hmm. Golden Age. Uh, I'll edit that together so it sounds really great. Um, is that it, it? Just seemed like laser focused into what you guys want to do. Like there was no haze to any any of the sounds. It just the song. Like it sort of it tells you. This is what we're going to do, and now we're doing it. And God damn it, you better listen. <laughs> and then it's just gone. Like it's, it's it doesn't overstay its welcome. It doesn't try and do anything else. Like what changed between 2013 and now that sort of uh, made you guys say, okay, Fedra is going to be like this now. I don't think anything changed. Our attitude has always been the same as far as consuming music and producing music. It's always just been doing whatever we feel like. And we easily could have written Zestrotsi before Golden Age, if that makes sense. It's mm-hmm. just, uh, it's not really a change or an evolution or a progression or anything. It's just a, an interest or feeling of the time. <laughs> um, and, you know, you have a lot of feelings, like everyone. <laughs> um, but the process is always always the same. Dan and I... 
bouncing ideas off of each other, taking a lot of different ideas that we have, whether it's, you know, ideas about ourselves or the world or feelings about ourselves and the world and um, putting them together or feelings about nothing, you know, or just the necessity to fill space in some song because we have other parts uh, already and it needs space. So I think that in general, when we're writing for Phaedra, it's almost like the idea or the approach that possibilities are endless and we should just try whatever is uh, we're inspired by at the moment. I mean, we use that Microsoft Windows sample in that song. In Golden Age, we use a lot of different sounds that we were just experimenting with, like a, a tin of knives and forks making percussion sound, you know, or we had, or, or we're constantly drawing from our environment and the people around us so we have a woman on that last record singing opera and we just you know edited it to make it sound like a make her sound like a theremin um so that's cool yeah i don't know uh dan do you have anything to add about um well i mean there's different kinds of songwriting like if you have if you're trying to make a song in a classic sense, or also there's like electronic music if you're trying to make, you know, more like a beat and it's more like a physical thing. So definitely at the moment in terms of like beat production. Sorry. Oops. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm really into, you know, like more electronic phys- physical music right now especially of my youth like old jungle and stuff like that oh yeah and like old break beats and shit and then i have like uh some kind of add and i'm like okay dan this repetitive beat sounds awesome but i think we need to change it up a little (laughs) bit (laughs) and i'm like no it's a loop i love the loop (laughs) so we're yeah we're finding a middle ground between those two but also trying not to like really bastardize it's, you know, it's like taking influence from those musical styles, but sometimes it can get really cheesy if you're trying to make songs out of, you know, these musical styles that are meant more as like beats. It can get really cheesy. So we're trying to stay away from that and find a middle ground. And is that something that comes just from you guys being in Hooded Fang and sort of knowing how song structure has to work and not has to work, but works best. Like, do you guys apply those sort of best practices over jungle jungle uh, beats, or like, how, what's the crossover like for those sorts of things? Like, how 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 long can how long does it take you to sort of mix in sort of a electronic sort of genre into into like a songwriting format that you can you know write a verse chorus sort of thing over top of? I think we're still figuring it out, just like song by song. <laughs> yeah, and I, I would say that writing for Hooded Fang versus writing for Phaedra is kind of compartmentalized. Oh, yeah? Yeah, like you're in Hooded Fang mode or you're in Phaedra mode and you just sort of jump into that mode at the time. And again, with like Hooded Fang, it's very specific. It's drums, guitars, and bass. And with Phaedra, it's again like endless possibilities especially since it's electronic music and you can draw from so many 
so many things like making sounds and producing it in different ways or experimenting with your vocals or using whatever samples you're interested in using, you know, in a way like Hooded Fang is, is just like constrained to these four pieces. And then with Phaedra, it's just like anything, whatever goes focused down with, you know, let's say Dan's beats or something. Yeah. But I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely crossover sometimes in maybe it's not like that overt, but just in, in ideas about, uh, concentrating on certain feeling like physical feels or whatever in the music or like stripping down stuff. I feel like that there's some similarities sometimes that cross over into the different projects. Well, that's like any songwriting. Yeah, but I mean, like, at any, like, a certain point in time, there's probably, you know, a mindset that is affecting the project. Yeah, there must be, because it's us doing it, so. (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, when you say Fedra can be anything, I find that's sort of the one thing that paralyzes a lot of producers these days, is you open up a DAW and you just have infinite bars of whatever you want to do, do something. And then they just say, uh, okay, I will make the most redundant house song I've ever thought about. Mm. How do you guys, like you say, like there there are some kitchen knife, percussions, theremin opera, which is a genre I would like to see created after this episode airs. <laughs> uh, so go out and do that, internet. But like, what are those things that end up structuring Fedra's songs and are they things that sort of boil up from nothingness, like just just sort of environment, or are they? Is there ever like, okay, I've got this thing I wanted to fit in, like here on this track or something like that? Um, Pretty much case by case. <laughs> it's case by case. I feel like we're just always throwing down whatever you know is exciting, or maybe we're working on a song and we think it needs something, and then we just sort of. Uh, find the sound that we're looking for, whether it's like, you know, knife and fork percussion or... Uh, Which we don't, it's not like a staple. No, so we did it for one song. <laughs> it's just an example. We did it for one song, but... Um, oh, the old knife and fork technique. <laughs> Fedra, cutlery cuties. Yeah. I mean, but then it might not always work, so then we'll just like table that sound and then just keep it in the yeah, bank and maybe bank it and put it back later. into something else, you know. But I think more than anything, in a way, in a, in a weird, you know, not exact way, it's it's almost like, like collage music, you know? Yeah, we record a lot of stuff on our, on our cell phones if we're walking around and we hear something. We'll do a lot of... Stuff like that. And a lot of field recordings from places that we're at when we're on tour. And then sample it later. On your latest song, Zastrozzi. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> the the bird chirping in the background is suspiciously like my uh, the ringer for my phone. So I, since listening to it like over and over to get ready for this podcast, I think that I'm much more popular than I am. <laughs> and so I've answered the phone mostly just to hear nothing or tech savvy asking me to pay my internet bill. Uh, <laughs> but uh, like I, I find this so fascinating uh, is Fedra sound design first do you guys just like are, do you guys just have like bundles and oodles and zoodles of of sounds that you guys 
just trying to place into place like place into music or like what let's get to the heart of a germ of a song mm, it usually <laughs> starts off with the beat or, the, or there's many beats and then we, we'll choose some we'll choose one that we both like or usually i'm like this is so sick and april's like eh. <laughs> give me another one <laughs> um and then you know through a combination of like or just the idea process, I guess, of like having two people work on a song. It's just trying, both people are trying to make the song better. So we'll yeah. throw out ideas all the time and then discuss it and try it out. I mean, and with Zestrotsi, we were like, okay, let's make this about growing up in the internet age. And then that's how some of the, like, the samples came about. I think that like everyone, we're just constantly drawing from our own experiences and like life. So I, I grew up chatting on icq yeah you know which is what that sample is meet me at the uh-oh uh-oh is just the sound that the little icq guy would make when you got a message right <laughs> well you've got mail notification kind of thing yeah, yeah. it's just like the uh-oh <laughs> you know so meet me at the oh that's all it is meet me at icq <laughs> You guys are destroying all my thoughts about this song. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Sorry. Right. I mean, we also like to leave songs and music to the audience's interpretation. But if you want to ask us about it, <laughs> we're going to tell you. We our secrets yeah. that are not as interesting as you might have thought. <laughs> oh, that is, a, that is the one constant on uh, Stonehall Sessions is one of us will listen like... Most of these artists that come on here, one of us really, really loves. And then they'll ask them all their like nerdiest questions. Like, oh my God, like anything that you'd want to ask about an artist, about something like a piece of art that you really, really like. And then they just give you the most mundane answer. And you're like, oh, it was just, that was what Thursday was. And then you're like, oh no. Because you build up your favorite albums, your permanent albums are things that you build up in your mind over and over and over again. But then... Mm -hmm. When you hear it, just like, ah, yeah, like I was hung over in the studio that day. And so it didn't give me the best vocal response. So I, it was just a little bit raspy, but then I didn't want to pay for more studio time. And that's why it's like that on the Yeah. Episode. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Awesome. I had so many more questions <laughs> I love those to ask. Stories. <laughs> Which is like, it, it is nice when it's music that you're just like, oh, I'm interested in. But when it's like, I've been living this for the last, you know, two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Why are you doing this to me? Right, yeah. <laughs> it's true. Well, that's why it's, it's good sometimes to just leave it to the listener's, you know, own interpretation. Yeah. But, but so much good stuff out there is just these weird little mistakes or just by chance in music that has lasted over like so much time and so many people have heard. I love that how it's. Yeah, wasn't uh, Take a Walk on the Wild Side a mistake? The baseline or something like that? No. It was, it was a different a song. But it was like a session guy playing that. Who doesn't remember playing that bass line at all? He's like, yeah, it's just a session. He just played it. Right. But there's, I read in the Tape Op magazine, you guys know that magazine? There's a lot of good interviews with uh, engineers. And uh, there were these two guys, I forget their names, but they were working on um, an Aerosmith record in New York. And uh, it was close to Times Square back when they had all the movie theaters there. Ooh. And... Uh, they were trying to come up with lyrics for this song, but they couldn't. So they just went out to go see a movie and they saw Young Frankenstein. And then they came back to the studio and just recorded Walk This Way. 
<laughs> and that's where they got the lyrics for that song is because they went to see that movie in Times Square. And I just that's thought it's so funny, you know? That's funny. Like, everybody knows that song. Yeah. Probably no one knows that it's from that movie. Yeah. You just hear that from this, from these two audio engineers, you know? Yeah. A lot of people still think it's from Run DMZ as well. Oh, God. Right. Yeah. Uh, or um, what? what is that thing? Shares Believe? Only came about because this one guy who was using like the first iteration of auto tune accidentally double clicked on the two sort of like vocal blobs that he was working on, and then it completely like flattened out all the transients in it. No, and way. so uh, they just listened to it and they liked it, and then they tried their hardest. And this blows my mind from like a 2016 perspective. They tried their hardest to hide it. They said, "Okay, we use vocoder on those two syllables, and then regular things for the rest of it." And then T Pain. I didn't realize this. T-Pain didn't tell people how he achieved his effect of just like auto, like sort of zeroing out your auto tune until Snoop Dogg's album where he, uh, that song where he's playing the guitar and it's a, it's a something, something eruption. Anyways, no, that was the song where after after he recorded that he he was the only one who was able or whatever engineer he was working with figured out what T Pain was doing, which essentially just zeroing out his auto tune things. That was before that T Pain commanded like millions of dollars to produce your record right. just so you could get that T Pain effect. Like that's crazy. <laughs> that's nut bar. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's good not to tell people what you're doing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love those David Bowie Berlin albums where it's just like all mm-hmm. sort of ambience and stuff. But if I like if you could sit in on I don't think I would want to sit in on those studio sessions because it would just be like a man eating red peppers and doing cocaine and then just being like <laughs> <laughs> But um Let's get into Golden Age, which is three years old. And I apologize for that. We, we'll try and have everybody on for the uh, Hood Fang and Arboretum time, um, if this interview goes well. If not, whatever. Uh, <laughs> one of the things that struck me was just the sort of the differences in songwriting, it seemed, when one of you was helming sort of the vocals on the song as opposed to the other one. Like, it almost seemed like sort of a, a super tramp separation where there's two lead singers in the band and one person would write songs this way the other person would write songs that way but then they tried to blend it together can you just tell me how right i am on that you know that record is probably more interesting we did we did like we were in berlin at the time and we um it was in the winter and we had an apartment there and we basically just stayed inside because the weather was bad the sun never came out i think it came out like two two or three times the whole uh i don't know two and a half months that we were there (laughs) yeah so we would just get some groceries and then go home and then wake up and work on the record it was like a pretty long process actually two and a half months yeah i guess that's longer than usual for us (laughs) um but uh, no, I mean, we, we both collabed on most of the songs and we would go back and forth. You know, the vocals would just happen based on what we thought would be best for that song. It's cool that it came out that way. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, sometimes like we write lyric, like when we write lyrics too, it's not necessarily the person who wrote them who's singing them. It just goes back and forth. 
So what you're saying is I'm completely wrong. Um, <laughs> so what generally happens first when you guys are making music? Do you like do the medley and all the beats and all that first, like the production side of it? Or do you have like lyrics pre-written out that you like want to put a song to? Or is it just all kind of like, I've got this good loop going here and this would be a good vocal track to throw in there? Or? Yeah, it just depends. It goes song by song. Yeah. Like I wish we could give you a concrete <laughs> you know process but it really is just song by song sometimes it starts off with a beat that dan makes sometimes there's a loop that i find or sometimes uh you know more often than not or actually i would say less often okay. it it doesn't really start with lyrics at all because we fit the lyrics in after yeah uh, or we'll have ideas for lyrics written down, but and then hone them to the music. But really, especially for that record, we were writing the lyrics as we were writing the music, and then recording them as we were writing like the songs. I guess it's just not often that we're in the same room working on the same songs. Oh, really? From the beginning. Okay. Because we don't like we don't. That was the only time we were just together for the, like the longest amount of time doing only that you know so normally we'll kind of get together to work on one song at a time and that transpires however like april will find a sample or i'll find it or i'll have a beat or we'll be talking about ideas and want to make a song about a specific subject or something so you said the golden age took what was two and a half months to to make was it it was probably less than that uh we were in what we were in Berlin for December and January, and maybe not working that entirely. It was it was less than two months. Okay. So how long did uh, Zastroit? Zastrozzi. Zastrozzi. <laughs> we're uh, never gonna get that one right. How long did that take you to to write? That was fast, right? Yeah, it was just one song, so. In like three days or something, just like two days even, two or three days. <laughs> it's pretty quick, yeah. I yeah. Think we only just we only finished it because we were going to have a video made. Yeah. And we had to finish it. That's usually that's that's kind of the way that it's going right now is if we're going to get a video made then we're like, "Oh damn, we better finish the track." <laughs> like so yeah, we don't we don't have like we're not like gearing towards an album with these beats. But it might end up being that way. You're killing me with a thousand paper cuts. But um, <laughs> it, it, do you guys never have the desire, like I feel like I do, and hopefully a lot of people out there uh, who work in creative fields, which is to torture yourself forever by trying to perfect something? Like, how do you, oh, how do you guys get into sure. this? Sort of <laughs> yeah. Well, it's yeah. Well, that's why the external deadline of oh, someone wants to make a video for us, you better finish the song really works otherwise we could like forever be working on it right or if we have a record definitely there always has to be a deadline because otherwise it'll never get finished yeah even if it's self-imposed and like the deadline works because we have some next project or thing to work on so we have to finish it on that date. or just book a mastering date with someone (laughs) (laughs) or a mixing or a mastering date and then it's like well it's got to be done there's no turning back yeah yeah. Well, even with Golden Age, I was flying back home to Canada and we we're like, okay, this has to be done. And actually, we were finishing and recorded the vocals for Too Many Lashes like a couple of hours before I was leaving, before I had to catch the flight. But I know what you're talking about. Like, there's, I mean, there's lots of other stuff 
that I have sitting on my computer for years and years and years that could be a project and I just never finish it because I have no reason to. <laughs> and I just never think it'll be as good as the it poss as the possibilities. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's one of those things where like you, you have this idea of what it will be. And then once you start to approach it, you move those goalposts. I can't imagine like what it's, it's got to be something different uh, for you guys. Does creativity take on a different sort of, do you take on a different perspective of creativity now that you guys are professional musicians? Now that sort of you do have these deadlines, you do have sort of, you've got a tour this month. How do you still manage to find time to be like, okay, this is just, this is just for creating something new? Well, I'd say that we're (laughs) (laughs) semi-professional. Um, but yeah, that I would is... say if you have at least two reviews on Pitchfork, professional. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that that's that's a hard thing. Yeah, like if you start doing music quite a lot and if you're touring quite a lot, the creativity versus like it can you really have to find out how to work with it, you know? Well, yeah, it's tough because it's it, you're on the schedule and suddenly you're like, oh, I have to be creative for this month even though I'm not necessarily inspired. And then you have to, you know, slap yourself in the face and be like, this is your job right now. You have to do it, you know, and you got to put yourself in that mindset. So I would say that it's for sure harder. Or when you're on tour, you become brain dead and and then you feel like you want to be creating something, but you just can't or don't feel like it. And you're, you're on tour, like you're playing every day. So it's you're not thinking about like sitting down and writing a song. It's like I like it's hard if you're moving every single day and everything's so temporary to to work on stuff, you know. And then you come back to the city to your home, and then you're like so brain dead. Yeah, <laughs> what am I doing with my life? And you're going through like this familiar existential wonderings of what am I doing here. <laughs> But I mean, also, it's a muscle like you just have to keep doing it kind of and always look for inspiration in different places, like listen to lots of music. Yeah, you it's get inspired or read yeah. books and you get inspired by ideas. It's true. It's a, it's cool. Like, I think that for sure, one thing that's changed and for sure has evolved is trying to find that creative spark or looking for inspiration when you're first starting. You're just writing about your feelings or writing about yeah, basically you're writing about your feelings, about heartbreak or existential crises or any kind of angst or whatever. And after writing so many songs about that, and then you get into this real cycle and you're feeling nothing because you're dead from tour, <laughs> uh, you have to start thinking of other ways to get, get creative or find inspiration, which is I think is cool, you know, and you're just putting yourself in that frame of thinking, I guess. That's, that's interesting. I heard of all people, Sinbad, say that there are no funny comedians who wear headphones on the bus. And it's because you're not experiencing new sensations and you're not getting new interactions with people as a comedian, which is essential to what, what your craft is. Before the mics were running, because I am an idiot, you spoke to how touring is sort of like it's just life compressed. You mm-hmm. get all the highs, you get all the lows. You said it much more eloquently than that. But how do you take something that happens so quickly, so compressed as like touring and try to make that into sort of a universal feeling that on a song that you think, okay, someone else would be able to relate with this? I mean, you could use metaphor. 
touring is really inspiring for lyrics just because of the people that you meet and the different places that you get to like see and and uh their histories and everything like that yeah you're um you're like entire body and mind is just moving at a different pace you're in a different city every night you're meeting someone new every night and you have this very brief period of time you have no time to long for home because why would you do that you should practice being present because there's nothing you can do you're far away and so you just have to make the best of it and be as present as possible yeah like like it's what you said you know what you said, what I said. <laughs> it's all the highs and lows and mundane things in life compressed into one. And in a way, you're like living so many lives in this short period of time, which is cool and overwhelming. And you don't always process it immediately. It's when you get home and then you are recovered and, you know, you like think about what you just did and you're like, holy shit, we just went to all these cities for the first time and met these amazing people and and then later it'll seep into uh your music or you'll think about your experiences and uh, be inspired in that way and for sure it's relatable to everybody because i mean even though you just experienced it in a very intense condensed way it's it's what everyone experiences in in life so and it, it's still i mean sorry to be cliche but it's still all the feelings that humans experience, you know? Yeah, I'm not going to name them all. (laughs) (laughs) Diarrhea. (laughs) Vomiting. Yeah. Nausea. The big three. (laughs) (laughs) Which tour will definitely give you all those three feelings. I, I just want to say I can't wait for the Hooded Fang song. Adam and Riley are holding us hostage. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> 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 we can snip that one right out of the podcast. <laughs> Winging a miss, Riley. Winging a miss. <laughs> one of the things I, I, I'm intrigued by, uh, and I feel like we haven't had enough people on here who could really talk to it but maybe you guys can uh since you are pulling double duties in bands right now you're releasing music under two names you're doing you guys are very 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 busy musicians how do you respond to criticism of your work how do you how do you see when a review of your uh, live show the night before and you you can see okay so that was the night where i was uh, sort of i was i was recovering from cold so it was i knew that wasn't going to be my best night but then exclaim give me a six out of ten or something like that because we we didn't show as as much as we could how how do you guys deal with that sort of stuff when what you're trying to do is sort of so separate from that we never mess up we're pros by now <laughs> yeah never, never done that ever <laughs> uh I don't know. You just can't pay attention to the media too much. Well, I don't. I kind of stopped. I really like it if, I mean, we don't get reviewed. Our shows don't get reviewed very often as far as I know these days. But I like it when someone really like adamantly hates what you're doing. It's actually kind of hilarious. When it's that's so funny that it's just like, it's like, wow, like I can't believe that they're so angry. Yeah, about, and they like, just spent so much time saying like everything that they hated about 
our record or our set. Like they went all this way to say how much they hated it. And then they took the time out to write that. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like I can't believe it. Like why would you why wouldn't you write about something that you really like? Yeah, why <laughs> waste like, your energy kind of thing? I just find it so funny. I really like those kind of things. But you know what? Like I think as far as reviews go in general, like if they're well written and if the person has put a lot of thought into it, they can write whatever they want. It's just if it's lazy or ignorant writing or publications, then it's like I don't respect that at all. I think it's important to be critical about things and you're allowed to not like something, especially our music. But <laughs> like to have your shit together, you know, that's I think that's really important. There's a lot of lazy journalism out there, which I just can't stand. Yeah, it's true. We really appreciate the ones that are well thought and have actually like listened and paid attention and, you know. Are able to pronounce the song names correctly. <laughs> mm -hmm. Why are we still here, Dan? <laughs> that was one thing that I tried to bring up in the Soons interview was just how over the top and all the weird... This is something that I'm not sure I'd be able to get over if I was getting reviewed a lot. It's just the metaphors people use to describe your music. Like, it's like if Jesus was dying on the cross and he had one hand free to reach out to us. <laughs> it's like, that is not me. That doesn't give me any indication of what the music is like. Like, that's not something that anybody is like, oh, okay, I know exactly what they're talking about now. Yeah, for sure. People try to be poetic. I, just, I, I like it. I'm like, oh, this is what they're getting from it. Cool. Mm -hmm. Like, never thought about it that way. You just kind of make something and put it out into the world, and then it's cool to see how people are receiving it. Do you guys ever see the reverse? And oftentimes we'll see that on this podcast where one of us will be reverent of the music, and then you guys are just like, uh, that, that wasn't the case at all. But yeah. Keep on saying that. <laughs> Wait, sorry, what? I'm kind of sick today. <laughs> sorry. Uh, sort of the opposite end of the sort of, I dislike this band, I will write a five-paragraph essay about them. The opposite of that would be, I feel something like... Obviously, this band was feeling what I was feeling at this time and place, and that's why oh, I right. love it so much. Like, do you guys, how do you deal with fans like that who have sort of latched on to something? I, latch on, I feel like, is a little derogatory, but like really find something that they love about a certain song or a certain part of the music, and it wasn't necessarily part of what the conception of that song was. I love that. I love it too. <laughs> it's like the biggest honor you can have. Yeah, it's like a yeah, it's like the biggest compliment ever. I mean, I feel that way about tons of music, even though I've never expressed it to those artists. Yeah, me too. There's so, so many songs like that. Yeah, so it's cool to be able to you know put something out there, make it, and put it out there, and then have that effect on someone else. You know, just because I know what it feels like to me. Mm -hmm. Or like that they find that song at that specific time in their lives. Yeah. And it becomes a part of that time in their lives. It's like, it's the biggest honor for sure. I have so many, like, there's so much music like that throughout my life that I've listened to that like I attach to like specific people or, or events that happened or emotions or whatever. Yeah, even if they're interpreting it in the way that we'd never intended, mm -hmm. I think it's still cool. Because <laughs> I'm sure I've done that with music, you know, taking it a certain way, you know, beyond its in original intentions. I know for a fact that there's songs we've written with Hooded Fang that were probably sad and depressing and people interpreted it as like, 
a sweet, loving thing. <laughs> and, you know, that's cool because it's helping them in that moment feel good. But do you ever have the 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 want to just go up to them and say you missed the point of the song or like one of the saddest statistics i ever saw was that like every breath you take is like one of the most popular wedding songs and it's about a man who can't connect with a woman so he stalks <laughs> her endlessly and it's like that's not no <laughs> like <laughs> i mean i've definitely felt the need in the past you know uh years ago to be like yeah you, you just didn't get it that way this is this is actually a very sad song this is a sad record but I don't feel the need anymore. It's just like... I think it depends what you're writing about. If you're writing a song about anti-racism and then someone's true. using it for like some totally opposite purpose or something, then it's like, hey, you know, you might want to know that this song is actually about this issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, other than that, like, it's pretty... I think I'm more thinking about like, yeah, dramatic emotions. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, hey, no, that's not about you and your breakup. That's about me when I was <laughs> trying to cook a meal in the kitchen, yeah. and it didn't work Couldn't out. Find the butter. So yeah. you can't use it for that. Yeah. Find a new breakup song, <laughs> motherfucker. You can no longer use simmering beans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. Just like to each their own. You know. But I mean, like, whatever. say, "Born in the USA" or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. it's actually a, a critical song, and it's it's not about like. Like, if you're going to use it as the Republican Party theme song or something, like, yeah. maybe like, hey, you, you know what this song is actually about. It's not about the. It's about a Vietnam veteran coming back and realizing that this was not the country that he fought for. Mm. Uh, that is idealized and everything that's patriotic uh, for the listeners and specifically my mom, who is the biggest Bruce Springsteen fan <laughs> and would go to concerts. I believe this is true. She went to concerts in her youth dressed as that girl that Bruce Springsteen would pull on stage no in hopes yeah. that she would be pulled on stage. <laughs> well, she I, was also a Jersey girl. I give her uh, I give her props for trying. <laughs> I used to dance in my underwear to Born in the USA, that record, as a little kid. Yeah, like, That was my jams. <laughs> still is, actually. I still love it. All right. Um, is there anything that you guys want to plug that we should bring up? Mm, we're doing the Arboretum Fest in August here in Ottawa. With Hooded Fang. With Hooded Fang. And we helped curate. We run a little label called Daps, and we helped curate one of the other Are nights. you guys the runners of Daps? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so there's, we're really excited for that festival. There's a lot of good bands playing. If um, you guys have seen a steep incline in the number of plays over the last week and a half that has been me (laughs) Uh, (laughs) oh that's nice let's talk about dabs for a little bit like Mm -hmm. how did that uh label come about when we wanted to put out our first record with hooded fang it was an ep and we just burned the cds and handmade them and we needed a way to release it so that's when it started pretty much yeah we uh, before that, Dan, when Dan and I first met, we were just doing random art projects under Daps, and then uh, when we put out the first Hooded Fang record, we're like, "All right, Daps Records." <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, since then, we've just been putting out our records on our own, and then one-offs of our friends. And um, is there a focus with what Daps wants to like is looking to put out? I mean. Generally, I mean, it's just generally it's a forum for us to release our own music. And also 
it's for friends who either need or to get their music released and don't have any other way to do it or want to learn more about how it's done. Yeah, like we're trying to take the approach of just uh, um, like empowering other bands with uh, the knowledge to put their own music out in the industry or just even like have some kind of understanding of the workings of the industry at a small scale. Just, you know, a lot of artists go out and, and they don't know what they need to do or what's going on. Or we were, we were in that position at one point when we first started and, and since then have learned a lot. And we find that there's artists who are constantly looking to learn or have questions or just are totally clueless on the workings of the industry um, again, not that we're experts or anything, but we since then have learned a thing or two and are happy to impart that knowledge. Um, I find that, you know, a lot of the music industry holds knowledge just like so close to themselves and there's not that much knowledge sharing. Mm -hmm. They're starting to be, but not really, you know. I I mean, I understand it's, it's what people... Um, use as 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 their you know form of power or making money um but i don't know there there could definitely be more of uh just just like a community of sharing knowledge you know punk is not really music that i listen to uh as far as music genre goes but i started learning a lot about the all ages punk scene in Toronto mm. through our friends VCR, Scott and Leah, and they introduced us to some of the people like Ryan Tong and Greg Benedetto, who throw a lot of the shows, um, well, most of the all ages punk shows in Toronto. And they're all about imparting the knowledge to the younger generation so that they can keep the cycle up and like sustain the scene. And it's just like so community driven and so supportive. I mean, not all the time, but it is more than uh, what I've seen in my own, you know, way of doing in my own like indie music scene. Not to say that the indie music scene isn't supportive, but there's definitely a sense of of community and sharing knowledge than in most other music scenes that I've seen, you know. I think that separate from what I've seen there, like, I'm like, oh, my God, this is just like the best, you know, way of uh, living and working together. We've just had desires to sort of do that with DAPS also. So on, I mean, the extent that I'm doing that, that we're doing that now is not that big. It's just about having a section on our website, just you know, the DIY section so that people can be like, oh, these are the things I have to consider if I want to go play in America. Here's how I uh, distribute my music online on my own. Yeah, exactly. You know, things like that. Um, and then, you know, with the the bands that we work with once in a while. Right now, uh, we're working with Above Top Secret and their record's coming out on July 1st. Uh, last year we, we put out which I listened to because of you guys and I loved it. Holy fuck! Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not that it's anything like holy fuck, but yeah. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> and then last year we put out uh, Ken Park, who now goes by Scott Hardware, and um, he's got a new record coming out 
not on our label, but it's really, really good. Yeah, so we just want to like work with bands and just like, you know, show them a little bit of how to do things and work alongside them instead of doing things for them. So, yeah, that's Daps. <laughs> that's dope as shit. Um, so there's one question that we ask, and I feel so bad because you guys have, you've been so open tonight, um, that we ask all, all artists who come on here. Uh, and we, it's just, it's just a way to, sorry, are, are they real artists or are they sort of uh, charlatans of the genre who have come here just to get free publicity? Um, <laughs> oh, this is the, I didn't know we were like coming to Judgment Day. <laughs> um, and it is something that we ask at the end of every single Stonehall Sessions episode, and that is, um, which former frontman of Genesis has been more influential to Fedra, <laughs> Peter Gabriel or Phil Collins? I was just going to say, oh, is that Phil Collins's band? Yeah, I don't think April knows. <laughs> um, you I should mean, not just consider their Genesis work, however. I'm a Peter Gabriel fan. I thought it was a, a section of the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't Probably know, Phil answer. Collins. I heard Phil Collins, like, I don't know if this is true, but he, like, patented his hi-hat sound or something. And I thought that was pretty funny. Dang. Um, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, I have respect for both of them. They were both. They both had long careers. You Bill could, Collins can play drums and sing at the same time, right? Just like Dan. Dan can do yeah. that. Uh, you could. I shouldn't. Pro- I probably shouldn't be saying this, but you could play anyone and tell me that it's peter gabriel and i'd be like oh cool that's awesome oh no you like some peter gabriel songs i'm sure i don't know i don't can't name them right now he's good (laughs) and he has a crazy studio i don't know you should look up his recording studio that he built it's like on a lake like overlooking this lake it looks like a spaceship or something on the inside it's really crazy it's really beautiful and it has a name like Real world records. Real world, yeah. I guess I guess you could put us in purgatory then. We're neither artists uh, or no, charlatans. We can't end the podcast like <laughs> that. You have to sort of come down one or the other. Oh. <laughs> we could paper rock scissors. Do you want to do that? Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, I guess I'll be Peter <laughs> since I don't know him. Yeah. Can you be Phil? Yeah, okay. Sure. All right, ready? Well, <laughs> we should say at least it, it should be like. Uh, in the air tonight versus Salisbury Hill, or the the Lion King soundtrack versus the Wally soundtrack, <laughs> or not the Lion King. Tarzan, Tarzan soundtrack. Yeah. I don't even know what what these are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like the Lion King soundtrack. I don't know the Wally soundtrack. That's like the Eva. I remember Wally right? being really sad, but I don't remember the music. But it did win a Grammy. Can you, can Wait, you wasn't Lion us? King Elton John? No, I, I made that mistake. I meant to say Tarzan. Oh, okay. Tarzan soundtrack yeah. was done by uh, Phil Collins, and Wally was done by Peter Gabriel. Hmm. Um, well, I should say you guys aren't allowed to leave until you come down one or the other. <laughs> I mean, I'm <laughs> Peter Gabriel. Say Peter Gabriel. He's well, cool. I was just gonna choose <laughs> Phil Collins because I know his songs. I grew okay. up. Wait, didn't he do uh, "When I'm Feeling Blue"? Is that Phil Collins? 
Is that Phil Collins? When, when I'm feeling blue. blue. Yeah. Oh. All oh, I have to do. You hear my beautiful singing voice. That's that. it, right? <laughs> is take a look at you. Yeah. Then I'm not so blue. Yes. Okay. That is one of the first songs I learned on the piano as like a, I don't know, five-year-old or whatever, six-year-old. Mm. So uh, I'm going to go with Phil. So you're going to say Phil because the music that he does is on par with Hot Cross Buns. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's because I it's accessible. I can learn it as a child. <laughs> Bye-bye, 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 bye-